0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Mercy Talk podcast from Mercy Multiplied, where we are passionate about empowering you with biblical principles for growing in mental, emotional, and spiritual health, and equipping you to share those principles with others. To find out more about who we are, head over to mercymultiplied.com, and you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Mercy Multiplied. I'm Melanie Wise, and joining me on this episode is our very own Dr. Brooke Keels, and a special guest that we are so excited to introduce, Evan Owens. Evan and his wife, Dr. Jenny Owens, are the founders of an amazing organization called Reboot Recovery. And in their early years of marriage, Evan was working in technology and Jenny was working as a civilian occupational therapist for the army. And they both saw a major gap in spiritual care for combat veterans. So they founded Reboot Recovery, which is now a global nonprofit that helps people of all backgrounds overcome trauma. Reboot courses are led by everyday people and offered in hundreds of locations around the world. Evan serves as the executive director and he has authored several... Several books, including the Reboot Trauma Healing Curriculum. And he's been a keynote speaker and panelist at numerous conferences in the trauma recovery space. My personal favorite part of their bio is this says Evan and Ginny have managed to work together for over 10 years without killing each other, thanks to frequent date nights, the office reruns, and dreaming about their favorite place on earth. Jekyll Island Georgia I love that part of their bio because I think it gives you just a picture of who Evan is he's not just incredible at what he does but he is truly just a delight to talk to so funny so real so genuine so I really think that you are going to love this episode today we are going to talk about healing from the wounds of guilt shame and regret I'm so glad that you've joined us today and hope that you enjoy the show Right, guys, well, we are so excited for this conversation today, want to welcome our special guest, Evan. We are so glad that you're here with us today. Thank you so much for taking time to join us. No,
1: thank you. Excited to talk about today's topic.
0: Absolutely. And Brooke, always good to have you here. Um, <laughs> We just need our listeners to know that there has been just all kinds of hilarity and ridiculousness before we started this recording, so um, just be prepared for, I don't know what all is going to come in this show, but I know that Brooke and Evan are two of like the funniest people I know, so um, we're going to tackle a really serious topic and also probably have some laughs, so <laughs> I'm not really sure where this is going to go, everyone, uh, really but... Sure. We, um, you know, when we have guests on Mercy Talk, I always love to just find out, um, you know, from them, like what's something they're passionate about and just something that they've maybe even just been talking a lot about lately with people they work with. And so, Evan, when I reached out to you about that, you came back to me with this as one of the topics. And I was like, you know what? I don't know that we've really done, I guess, a deep dive into these topics on Mercy Talk. I mean, we probably have hit on them here and there, but never a show solely dedicated to this topic. So I'm really looking forward to it. But I'm interested to know just before we dive in, you know, what was it that led you to want to discuss this specific topic today? Yeah,
1: I mean, the you know, the topic of guilt is is the thing I wanted to talk about specifically guilt, shame and regret, which which is a lot of times those go hand in hand. And I think in my experience, it seems like a lot of people right now um, are confused a little bit about what the role guilt plays in their life. Maybe it's being misused mm-hmm. in their life and it's producing results that are producing outcomes in their life that are not helpful. And I would say that you know guilt will either leave you stuck, it'll either help you move forward to become the best version of yourself or it'll leave you stuck looking backwards. And I feel like there's a lot of people who have been through some experiences and they feel like maybe they're a little bit stuck looking backwards. Mm-hmm. And um, so I thought it would be good to, to talk about that today with your listeners.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. That's really good. I like that because I feel like I I don't know. I have those conversations all the time. Like guilt itself is not this bad thing. And it is it's either a motivator or something that shifts you the way I see it. And I'll let you explain this. And if we disagree, then. I'm definitely right. Um, but whichever, you know, that, that, it will, <laughs> <laughs> that it will, I'm just getting into you, um, you know, but it, or that it shifts you into being really stuck. Um, and I think the, the meaning of words matters, right? Like, and so when people take a word and, and label them, whatever it is and allow themselves to be stuck or put their identity in those words, Um, It can just be a huge problem potentially. And so I would really love, because I I need help, uh, you know, I have a 10-year-old now, so we're having a lot of these conversations too, uh, is talking about the difference between guilt, shame, and
1: regret. Yeah. Yeah, I think that with guilt, first of all, it's interesting. So many times I was following a car the other day on the highway, and I am weird that I always read bumper stickers. Maybe everybody does, but I always read them. And this one said something about living a guilt free, regret free life or something like that. (laughs) And my wife and I started talking and we said, you know, would we want to live a guilt free life? Mm -hmm. Would you want that? And I think the answer is no, Mm -hmm. because this is a misunderstanding of guilt right? That that guilt is, it's a confusing of the terms. Now, maybe a shame-free life perhaps might be a little more desirable. Certainly a regret-free life might be even more desirable than that. I'd love to never look back and say, I didn't do anything that I wish I would have done differently. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but yeah, we, we call these three around the reboot recovery circles, we call them the triplets. Um, And it's because they're Mm -hmm. like three little children that misbehave all the time. (laughs) Guilt, shame, and regret. And guilt, strictly i mean the the simplest definition of it would be that guilt is when you did something wrong i love the verse in first corinthians that talks about godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation, but sorrow of the world leads to death. And I think this is a great verse for us to zoom in on and look at. There's really two types of guilt outlined there. There's true guilt, or rather what we in the faith circles a lot of times call conviction, mm-hmm. right? This is, this is that feeling in our heart that says, I got my hand caught in the cookie jar. I know I did something wrong. I did the crime. Therefore, I should do the time and I should make it right, right? This is where you get into words like restitution, repentance, um, all those kinds of words. But then you get also into uh, false guilt, which we're going to talk about a little later, I hope, which is where we feel guilty, even though we didn't do anything. And my my experience with this false guilt senses, that's usually what leads into shame. And Mm so there's been a lot of quotes. One of them that I like says that, you know, um, guilt, guilt says I did something bad, but shame says I am bad. Mm-hmm. um and so shame is now where we turn that guilt in on ourselves and it begins to inform our identity mm-hmm. and it begins to inform how we see ourselves and then lastly regret is simply remember how i said it'll either help you move forward or leave you stuck looking backwards regret is the backwards looking part it's that stuck part where because because of the impact on our identity we didn't take chances that we should have we didn't we didn't tell the person we loved them when we really did. We didn't, you know, we didn't do those things and now we regret it and we wonder what would life have been had I have done or had I not done those things. And I think that if we can start identifying which one of those three we're sort of personally feeling, then we can kind of learn how to start healing it or moving, allowing it to become something that helps us rather than hinders us. But I know for me, it's really challenging sometimes to to know, am I am I really guilty? Like, did I let that person down, or is that something I'm hearing in my own head? Right, um, you know, and I think that's really hard.
0: So, Evan, I know we we kind of put together a few questions in advance for this show, but I'm already going to go off script here and ask you something else, if that's okay, um, sure. because I think as as Brooke said, you know, the meanings. Of words really do matter, Um, and I I was reading a book not too long ago that was talking about shame, and you know shame is something that I've heard for most of my life as like that's not you know it's not of the Lord and. It needs, you know, that's just shame is from the enemy. And and then I was reading this book and they're like, well, there's a gift that shame brings, you know, and I'm like, wait, what? And then as right. I read about it, I'm like, oh, well, that's a different definition of shame. Like, oh my goodness, we have all these different definitions. But for the sake of this conversation today and what you're sharing with us, you know, you were talking a little bit about the difference between the three guilt, shame and regret. Do you see benefits of all three of those or are there is there really only one that's going to be? helpful. And we may be getting to, I may be jumping ahead here of things where we're going to talk about later, but could you see all of them being a gift or a benefit to our life in some way?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the first example of shame, I suppose, would be Genesis three, when Adam and Eve realized that they're naked. I think that at its core, shame is the recognition that we are not holy, mm-hmm. right? I think at its, at its deepest root, I think shame is a recognition that we are lacking, that we are in need, that there's something imperfect about us, um, and I think that's the beauty of the gospel message mm-hmm. is is that He covers our shame, mm-hmm. right? He covers it, um, and and I think that when we, you know, it's it's interesting. I um, I find it challenging to read a lot of the most trending even Christian books on the subjects of guilt and shame because they they often point out the need for self esteem without the need for recognition mm. of God's holiness. Mm-hmm. Um, And I find that that this self-help kind of self-empowerment language is often subtly contradictory to what Jesus says about us. And that's something that's not a popular message. I don't get invited to some of the Christian conferences because of those stances. But I think that this is true. I think this is an important thing for us to realize. But I think I've started to learn in my life that just because I realize I'm not imperfect doesn't mean that i have to let that make me a a bad version of myself that i can say lord with your help you can take my imperfections you can take my shame you can take the things that that i don't do well mm-hmm. and you can somehow use them to your glory and that's the beautiful, that's, that's him getting the credit as opposed to me giving myself and my identity and my self-worth mm-hmm. the credit and so i think that that's where now i can start to boast as it talks about paul says i boast in the Lord. I boast mm-hmm. in my suffering. Mm-hmm. I boast in my shame. I boast in my my whatever, my weakness, because that's where he's strong. And I think that's a message that as you hear this today, yes, we don't want to be burdened by guilt. We don't want to be trapped in false guilt. We don't want the shame to start making us you know, think of ourselves more lowly than we ought, because God still loves us so much that he He died. He sent his son to die for us. That's, I mean, that's a pretty valuable thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a disconnect there when shame starts to make us feel unlovable, unvaluable. Invaluable? invaluable. I'm not sure what that word would be. Not valuable. valuable. (laughs) Um, When it starts to make us, right, when it makes us start to feel those things, that's when shame has disconnected now from that biblical definition of shame. And it's turned into something much more Mm -hmm. dangerous Mm -hmm. and and much more as a a, a spiritual and emotional and mental attack in our our lives.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good. I was having a conversation, uh, gosh, last week with a guy and he was talking about just, he's on this faith journey and figuring things out. And he was like, I, I really like, I've got to follow the law. Like I've got to follow the rules, you know? And, and, and I was like, okay. And so we were, it was just, he very new Christian, you know? And I said, so here's the thing about that. You know, you live in all this shame, right? You understand what that is. And he said, yeah. And I said, so, so shame will never allow you to make healthy choices Right. For yourself. You look at the law as like, if I do, this is how to live right. You know, I was like, when Christ comes and dismantles that shame, that's what allows you out of that gratefulness, out of the love that compels, you know, out of that heart is what allows you to make healthy choices. Trying to white knuckle, never using drugs again or being good to everybody or following whatever rules you have. You know, that, that's, that's great in theory, but the entire Bible is about that piece of Christ dismantling the shame. But the recognition or what I'm hearing you say is that recognition of the need for God is what allows us to sit in gratefulness, to know that we are not God, to know that we are not perfect. But that, you know, he comes to, to fill the low places, you know, and help and compels us into health and compels us into healthy decisions and accountability and relationship and support and, you know, community and all of those things that we need. And, and I think from from my perspective and, and please expand on this, that that piece of shame that isolates too, you know, is really that's where I see just it kind of this idea that, like, I've just got to within my own self. Figure this out and make good choices and be healthy, even though people have no idea what that even means, you know, um, and have never seen examples of health,
1: you know. Right. Yeah. No, those those are fantastic. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, the conversation you were having is it's essentially I mean, no person can consistently behave in a manner that's incongruent with the way that they see themselves Mm -hmm. through the lens of how they view themselves and this is why shame is so important to the conversation that i have every day you know i talk about trauma every day all day and that's the world that i exist in and one of the things that i found is is that oftentimes people believe that what they do will determine who they are so if they're acting from a place of guilt and shame Or regret that this will lead them into a place where they'll say, I am bad. I am unworthy. I am this. I am all these negative words. But I think what I always try to help them see is what we do doesn't determine who we are, whether it's who we are that ultimately determines what we do. And getting those, getting those things positioned correctly and saying, okay, who am I? Yes, I am a sinner, but yes, I am also loved by God. Yes, I was chosen. Yes, I'm a royal priesthood. Yes, I'm all these other things as well. And out of that place, Christ, he removes my, my guilt. He removes my shame. Now, I think this is where, though, this topic of false guilt, and I want to get back to that a little bit, becomes so nefarious and dangerous is that false guilt. Makes us believe that we need to repent from something, we need to atone for something Mm -hmm. that we didn't do anything when we didn't do anything wrong, and this is how it traps us in its in its web, right? Is how do I repent from something when there was no wrongdoing, right? And and I meet people who it's like they're paying tax on their past, they're paying this money on their past. And it's like, well, once my debt has been paid, then I'll be free. The problem is the debt is ever increasing because the debt's not real to begin with. And so they end up stuck at this, like, I just need to pay it back. I just need to, I need to earn back this, this right standing with this relationship that I have or with this person or with this time. And they end up harming themselves in this. And I think this is why when I think about false guilt, I find that false guilt is one of the most difficult to diagnose and to convince someone. You know, I've done many exercises in groups where a person will share why they feel guilty. And I'll go around to every person in the room, like a peer, like a group of jury, like a like a like a jury, and I'll say, What do you think? Is she is she wrong? Is she guilty? And every person one after another will say, Not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. And I'll come back to the person, I'll say, So what do you think? And she'll say, I hear that, but I still feel guilty. And that's how we know it's a lie of the enemy, when even all the truth in the world doesn't convince us that it's a lie. That's how we know that, that we've bought into a deep spiritual lie.
2: You know, like what's interesting about that to me is, is I think we don't realize that guilt or how we've, you know, the negative feelings we have become someone's worldview. You know, like this is how I'm supposed to feel. And so even when someone's like, Actually, maybe not. You know, you have to introduce this idea so carefully. And even I mean, just as a counselor, how many people I've, you know, sat across and, you know, maybe we're not talking about guilt. We're talking about trust. And they're like, I'm like, can you define that word for me? Because what I believe the definition to be and what you're saying to me seem to be two different things and we need to reconcile this stuff, but like, you know, things like guilt and shame and trust, or, you know, mis- un- mistrust or boundaries or whatever it is, when we talk about these meanings, it's become, you know, people's worldview. So just like what you said, like everyone can speak truth, but it's, it's, it's so entrenched with how, you know, that I must feel badly about X, Y, and Z, you know, like it's, it's just a deeper thing than us just being like, cause I feel this way. And I think it also goes, like, um, into how much we let our feelings dictate how we perceive the world, you know, and, and I've been having these conversations with my son lately, and I know we've talked about them on the podcast before, but, you know, feelings, thoughts, they're all meant to be examined. Right. So my son said to me the other day, he goes, I feel guilty all the time because sometimes I have weird thoughts and I don't know if like, I don't know, you know, and I was like, man, if you knew the thoughts I'd have, <laughs> like that's, you know, they're they're all just meant to be examined. They're not meant to dictate anything, you know. And so, um, you know, and 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 I'm trying to teach him that because nobody taught me that. And you know, but it but that's such a. Some people just look at me like I'm crazy, right? Like if I feel guilty, then I am guilty. Versus like, but maybe not. Right. And maybe that's why, like you mentioned, you can't reconcile it because you're you're living in this world that doesn't actually exist. And you're really trying to stay there because it somehow has made sense or, you know, been manipulated in that way. So anyway, I just it's interesting how we can become entrenched in things that aren't real just based off thoughts, feelings or how we see the world. And we're really resistant to shifting that, you know, sometimes. So anyway, I don't know that that went anywhere relevant, but that was that's so what great. I thought.
1: No, I think that's spot on.
0: Yeah. I, I'm actually interested to know before, because I really want to get into just like, okay, what do we do with this? Because um, yeah. that's kind of the point. Yeah. But <laughs> I am very interested to know from you guys as someone who, you know, I'm, I'm always going to be asking selfish questions on Mercy Talk. Like, I want to know this for myself. So, you know, having a four-month-old and a two-year-old who I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to help you figure out life. Um, It's like weighing on me now, but you guys both have kids that are a little beyond that stage. And I'm interested to know, because sometimes I think even the way that we help break these kinds of things down with our youngest kids can be helpful for all the people because, you know, it's just like sometimes the most elementary way of describing things is really just what we need, you know? So I'm interested to know if y'all have any um, just thoughts or feedback on how you have Try to address and help your children recognize these things. I don't know. We have some parents who are listeners, so this could be helpful for everybody. Yeah. Um, just how you've helped them navigate, you know, when you guys know the difference between these three, you know, when it gets to an unhealthy place, like how you're, how you're teaching this to younger kids.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think at least for me. Okay. Let me just speak for myself. Normally I don't feel my way into facts. Mm hmm. I don't feel my way into facts. Like normally I have to be presented with the facts. I have to turn off my feelings for a minute, examine them as factual, Mm -hmm. and then allow those to inform my feelings. Mm -hmm. But we have a a different kind of epidemic or pandemic going on in our world, which is we want to feel our way into facts. Mm -hmm. We want to say, I feel this, so it must be Mm -hmm. factually true. Mm -hmm. And little kids, at least in my experience, um, you know, they sometimes actually get it easier than adults. I mean, I think this idea of, uh, you know, I, I put my hand in the cookie jar, I got caught with it, therefore I'm guilty and I was wrong. You know, most kids have an intrinsic sense of that, that feeling of being caught, right? Mm-hmm. That feeling of like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble now. Oh. Um, and so a lot of times with, with my kids, at least, what I have found is a lot of times when they're letting their emotions start to drive them towards shame or uh, one of my children specifically, he is extremely sensitive. And when he does something wrong, the the look that we give him mm is plenty and he'll carry that Jeez. crying. Oh, daddy hates me feeling for like two days. Yeah. Now I have another child who I could take away everything in the world, tie him to a tree and leave him for dead. <laughs> and he'd be like, what I do? what I do? Right. He'd yeah. be like oblivious that, that whatever. And so in my world, I have to, with the very sensitive one, I have to remind him of the facts. First off, daddy loves you. That's a fact. Yeah. Mommy loves you. We're not mad at you. We just want you to be safe. We want you to do what's best, right? And I, and I go through all those facts with them. And then I say, now let's talk about your feelings. And with my most emotional child, who's my oldest boy, I have to constantly remind him of the facts all the time. And even when he, he tends to lose his temper, he gets very angry very easily. And so I'll always say like, Noah, like, you know, let's calm down. Let's think about here. What are the like remove yourself from the situation and say, is this as big of a deal as it is? So that, that's how I deal mm-hmm. with it is I focus on facts. And I do the same thing with adults, quite honestly, mm-hmm. is I think the way we defeat false guilt, is we put it on trial, mm-hmm. right, we, we take it to the courtroom and we put it on trial. And I think the same is true. So I don't know if that works for all kids. That works in my household. But yeah, um, that could, you know, I think every kid is wired so different. Yeah,
2: like, that's so true. <laughs> yeah. I think what we've been dealing with and I don't know, how, how old's your oldest? Eight. Eight. Okay. So Liam's 10 going on 45 and, um, always
0: has been going on 45
2: <laughs> gracious. Isn't it? I've been never 40. seen anything like, it. um, <laughs> but <clears throat> you know, what's really been interesting too and how it's helped me with myself, but also adults is, you know, because he, he very much hears the voice of God. Right. So like, but, so you have to be, it's like being sensitive to, the impression of Holy spirit. Right. And like the, you know, those feelings, but also like every, but uh, teaching him, like it all needs to be examined. You know what I mean? Like it's not, and, and it's gotten were laughing. I was like, you will not be that guy. That's like, you know, uh, God told me to tell you, <laughs> You know, whatever the thing is, you know, and that like that he's like, Don't be that guy. Yeah, don't be that guy. You know, that on Facebook or whatever will be out one day for him, you know, like God told me to put this on Facebook, which as I say, if you think he did, he did not. Um, That was not God. So I just, you know, so, so teaching like all of it because I think that's one thing, right? Is to go, okay, well, I can't trust my feelings, but then how do I trust them when it's, feels like it's from the Lord and I'm like, right. So we look at all of it. <laughs> like let's look at all of them are meant to be looked at. It's not just the good ones. And then that balance, like you talked about, Evan, that I think is so important of of sometimes when you do something wrong, you should feel badly about it. And that's okay. Like this idea that we should never feel badly if you are mean and you hurt someone, Mm -hmm. you should feel badly about it. That's right. And then you and that should compel you to reconcile or to amend or whatever, you know, you need to do in those situations. And so, you know, that I I see in him, like, I just don't want to feel badly. And I'm like, well, that's not a thing right and so what's the balance of this This is okay how do we look at it what do we do with it was this on you was it not you know and it's this very deep complicated process and now I realize why our parents did not teach us this because they did not have time and so you know (laughs) I get it now and so now I'm like okay we gotta pause and talk these things out but it has it's helped me too like how many times am I just like am I trying to just make myself feel better or do I need to sit in this and go, no, you kind of messed up and you need to, you need to reconcile that. And, and that's part of healing too. And that's part of not sitting in false guilt is Mm -hmm. what part do you need to own, own that Mm -hmm. part. And then let's move forward, you know, Mm -hmm. with it, in my opinion, I don't know, Evan, if that ties into anything either,
1: but. And I think that's the thing is in, in general, I think we, I think we teach, we teach a dangerous thing. Like, Negative emotions are not bad
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, in general. So the feelings of guilt, shame, regret are not bad. Those are gifts that God gave us to be able to help us become the best version of ourselves. Yeah. But just like any gift from God, Satan can misuse them. And I, I find so many of us end up um, falling victim yeah. to those things. And it starts at a young age. I mean, you, you can see kids that are just riddled by, by
0: mm-hmm. guilt and shame, mm-hmm.
1: right? Mm-hmm. You can see it. And... Um, So, yeah, sorry, Melanie, I think you were going to say something. No, no, that's
0: just that's I think that's also helpful. I mean, I'm just now starting to sometimes when my two year old does something and I give him the look like you described. And he now is giving me back a look that's going, my soul is crushed because you're looking at me like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to do this. I can't do this. (laughs) This is not this is not good. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I think.
1: Well, just, just be a better, just be a better mother. Great. Thanks. That's all I need to do. Yep. Yep. Mm
0: -hmm. I just need to try harder. I just need to read one more book on parenting and emotions. Yeah. Um, You're right. Just one more, Mm -hmm. one more podcast. Um, (laughs) So I, I think like, I love what you were saying earlier just about how important it is to, you know, I just like that idea of like, take it all to the courtroom. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That was
2: really good. Yeah,
0: And I, I'm like, It's like, take. I mean, to me, it's like, it's that idea of like taking all of your thoughts captive, like taking them and going, all right, right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna determine whether or not this is something. And I think it's like, maybe we should also take our emotions captive and, you know, do the same thing. Like, let's put this up to um, what is true and what, and like you said, kind of what are the facts. But, I would love for us to just kind of transition here into like, okay, so if you find yourself in this place, if you find yourself in the place that you were describing, Evan, of the person who was like, I hear, well, all these people are saying, but I still can't get there. Like something inside of me is not allowing me to release this. Um, If you're in that just place of woundedness, of guilt, shame, and regret, what do we do?
1: Yeah, so maybe go to the courtroom, right? I mean, there's really in large there's there's really three kind of sections of a trial. So you have the the accusation, you have the trial, and then you have the ruling or sentencing, right? And with the accusation really you're answering the question, what did they, the accuser, what did they say that I did or did not do? That's the accusation stage. And so the only way I found to defeat false guilt is to really go, you know, full full tilt few good men on this like you can't handle the truth kind of phenomenon <laughs> uh i put on my, my tom cruise my tom oh, cruise my. outfit you know and um so so first i look at you know you're definitely the, the tom cruise i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. But but it's actually yeah. but when I when I do it personally when I am by myself I do risky business Tom Cruise yeah. not nah, few good men. Yeah. Tom Cruise I dance around in my skivvies. you know right. do, no. yeah. I'm a season yeah. but you know, no, that's this, but that's how you dismantle shame
2: guys. Just
1: Or or if you're me that adds shame upon shame. <laughs> <laughs> upon
0: shame. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. sorry sorry <laughs> good no, healthy but, stuff but,
1: start over yep yeah. no i think it's good so accusation right <laughs> what do they say we do so you know we say what are we being accused of are we accusing or like are we accusing ourselves is someone else accusing us what what are the voices in my head saying that i did and didn't do are they saying that i did a bad thing or are they saying that i am bad are they are they written like adding should have and could have and would have statements mm-hmm, in there mm-hmm. um are those the voices that we're hearing and so we really have to first identify like what is the actual accusation mm-hmm. saying because most of the time we just say we feel guilty and you, i follow up with the question like right but what what is you're guilty okay great what's the accusation and a lot of times people are unable to articulate it so the first thing is is like if you're going to trial you better know what you're being accused of because you can't defend yourself otherwise Right. I mean, imagine going to trial and you stand up and be like, you're being, you know, you thought you were there for a parking ticket. Turns out you're there for murder. Yeah, It's going to be a tough court case for you. You know, you should have prepared. Right. And so that's the first deal. That's the first thing is accusation. The second then is trial. So you move into the trial phase. This is where you look at the evidence of what really happened. This is important. Look at the evidence Mm -hmm. of what really happened. Mm -hmm. Evidence is not usually only feelings. It can't be, it's, it's rarely only feelings. Usually there's something more to it than that. Now, sometimes if you're hurt by a person's words, it might be 90% feelings, but most time you want to look at evidence, which is factual. So you want to ask things like, did I knowingly cause harm to myself or someone else, right? Are the facts against me being mishandled or are they being misinterpreted or are they being spun by the enemy to make me believe something that's not true? Did my actions break one of the laws that God gave us in his word? Right. Are they are, do the facts of the case point that I actually did uh, make a decision with all of my human faculties and all of the knowledge I had at the time. Did I make a wrong decision or was I put into a lose, lose scenario where I just had to make the best choice at the time? And in afterwards, hindsight, it turned out it wasn't the mm-hmm. case? all those types of things. That's where you're putting it on trial. And this takes time to logic out the evidence. Mm-hmm. This is the longest part of the case. This is the trial. Mm-hmm. Right. This is the longest part. And then, lastly, uh, you get to the rule and sentencing. But, but I'll pause there for a second because when I talk about the trial, there are a few. You know, in any good courtroom drama, the uh, the opposing attorney, the prosecutor, always tries to use some courtroom tricks to to win the case, doesn't he? I mean, you think about all Mm, these movies, mm -hmm. there's always like a star witness at the end or some whatever, and our accuser is no different. Our accuser has two or three go-to courtroom tricks that time and time Mm. again, he goes to, to try when you're in the trial, even though you might start to dismantle the case, he'll pull some courtroom trick and you'll be right back in guilt Mm. again. So I wanna pause there for a second and just, is there, I mean, does that make sense when I talk about the accusation in the trial? Any questions on that, Melanie, that I need to clarify? or Brooke, because I know that's a lot of information to try to deliver over a podcast.
2: No, I think that's great. great. And I think, you know, I like to take it back to if we talk about like our worldview. And I think it being able to even put anything on trial requires us to consider that maybe our thoughts and feelings aren't necessarily reality, like even just consider that's not the case you know, I think that's actually a a new idea to some people. And so if you consider, okay, maybe this isn't reality, maybe this isn't how I'm supposed to be living and, you know, this isn't health and freedom. And so, and then out of that, being able to, to do what you're talking about. And sometimes, you know, it's, that's what will convince is when you start going through the trial, you know, and start putting it on, put it on trial and see and go through it. And, and, and then that helps kind of reinforce this idea. Okay. Maybe this isn't you know, I don't have to have my entire life dictated by every thought and feeling. Um, mm-hmm. and, and no, that makes complete sense. And I think totally. it has to be, that allows you to be an active participant in your life, in your health, in your thoughts and feelings. It allows you, you know, this idea that we're just kind of victim to everything that comes at us. And I love that. Anything that Allow, like that's such a great tool and it and it takes time, but it's worth it. And it's a discipline to sit down and do it and pay attention and go, OK, I'm feeling really guilty. Do I even know why I feel this way? And then going through that process. Mm-hmm. I just think it's it's incredible. So maybe it's a lot of our podcast, but I think it's time that, that we start putting value and spending the time doing these things. So we can, you know, I don't well, know. And
0: What it. you guys are describing is reminding me of like, you know, just uh, you've heard people say like, well, your feelings lie to you. Your feelings lie to you. And I'm like, I don't think they lie to you at all. I think they tell you exactly mm-hmm. the truth of what's happening inside of you. So this isn't to say, like, don't trust your feelings. No, listen to your feelings mm-hmm. and then determine like, you know what? I might be believing some stuff that is not of the Lord. That's 100 percent of the enemy that is making me feel this way. So the feeling itself is not something to, you know, not trust as much as it is to like you're you're saying, Evan, to put it on trial, and, and to, you know, determine whether or not that is based on what is actually true. So I think that is super, super helpful, especially in a world where, as you guys said, and again, (laughs) I hate to keep taking it back to this, but I'm reading all the books. I'm listening to all the, you know, seminars. I'm like, oh, man, the whole world is moving towards this, like feelings, feelings, feelings. It's all about the feelings. It's all about the emotions. It's all about like, they lead out, they lead, they lead. I'm like, yikes, this is terrifying to me, you know? Um, And so all that to say, listen to them, pay attention to them. Bad ones are not bad. I mean, they lead you to something. And so listen to them um, and put them on trial, like you said. So I think that's, I think that's really good. It's really helpful. Evan, take us to the uh, last part of the trial.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, so real quick, just some of the courtroom tricks that will happen during a trial. Oh, yes, the um, let me just give you, let me just give you a couple that you're going to find as you start to logic this out, if you're listening to this and saying, yeah, I do deal with guilt, shame or regret. And I want to, I want to look at what's the accusation, what's the trial. Along somewhere in that trial process, as you start thinking through this, and I encourage you to do this with someone who you trust, actually talk it out, out loud. Um, you know, trials never happen in complete silence. It's not how it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of them is helplessness, guilt, right? There'll be this, you know, you should have fought back more. You should have done this in terms of if, if, if you would have tried harder, it would have been different. The outcome would have been different. This is often the case, you know, a, a spouse will have their spouse cheat on them and leave their family. And they will begin to say like, well, if I just would have tried to make the marriage work harder, this wouldn't have happened, or with things like that. That's a common helplessness guilt. Like I felt helpless at the time, but in hindsight, I should have done better, right? Or another one would be like rolling responsibility guilt. Like uh, it was my job to keep my kids safe. My kid got seriously hurt, or even you know, unfortunately, might have died. That's my fault. I'm a, therefore I'm a bad parent. I'm a bad person. I don't deserve any sense of peace and happiness mm-hmm. in the future. Mm-hmm. Right? This is one that I'm currently dealing with somebody that they mm-hmm. are walking through. And there's this role and responsibility guilt that, that they almost say like, uh, like they believe that I am that they were God in the moment and that they knew all the parameters of what would happen when they dropped their kid off that mm-hmm. day, which they didn't, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's a problem. Or a common one is like guilt by association. I was around people that did this bad thing. If I had my antenna up, I would have called it and I should have said something. And now somebody is hurt because I didn't say something or so I didn't do something. Those are all examples. There's a bunch more. There's like 15 that I can go through that we we talk through. But those are just a few. So then it rolls lastly into the ruling and sentencing piece. This is where you determine whether or not the facts in the case show that you are you know, truly guilty or not guilty of wrongdoing. And this should be predominantly a logical conversation now. It should not be riddled with tons of emotion. You don't ever see a judge say the words, well, I've reviewed the facts of the case and you know I, I threw those out. I, I really thought about how do I feel about the plaintiff, how do I feel about yeah. the defendant. And you know, I just don't like the defendant, so I'm gonna say he's guilty. Yeah. You never hear that. Yeah. Right? It's it's fully logical. And so we look at the situations. And if you look at the situation after putting it on trial, after looking at your accusation, you say, you know what, I'm guilty, then there's great news, which is there's forgiveness for guilt. Right? There's forgiveness for guilt. But if you look at your situation where you say I'm not guilty, I'm doing time for a crime that I did not commit, well then this is where we can start to unpack that and say, you know, I am I am not going to allow this situation, this false guilt to continue to to keep me stuck looking backwards. I'm going to begin looking forward, right? And when we when we do that, then we can start to kind of dismantle that and i have found melanie i have actually found that once the brick it's like jenga once the brick of false guilt has been removed there's not a lot more complex healing that Mm -hmm. happens a lot of times it's like the whole tower of lies falls and it's like oh my gosh i'm not guilty i didn't do something wrong Mm -hmm. and yes then there's a healing process of sort of walking in that newfound freedom but I found that a lot of it's supported by one or two misinterpreted facts. Um, and so it's a very logical scientific process. Um, wow. and, and that's uh, difficult when we're feeling something so strongly.
0: Yeah.
1: And one last thing look at the fruit. This is the the sheer, sheer telltale way. Look at the fruit. False guilt never produces good fruit. Yeah. Real guilt, it says in First Corinthians, godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation. Mm-hmm. That's the fruit. But worldly sorrow leads to death. So if your guilt is not producing something helpful, if it's not producing good fruit, then there's a good chance it's not real guilt. Yeah. It's probably false guilt, shame, or regret.
0: That's really good. Wow. Wow.
2: I, like this is it's such an incredible. Seriously, like tool and discipline, which you just laid out, and do you find it's also helpful to have like I can imagine in accountability, like yeah, especially if somebody's just like riddled with it, you're just like I don't I can't I don't even know which way's up, but if they give someone permission to be like help me put this on track, you know, like to have somebody walk alongside you in that, <laughs> I would think would be so important and so powerful. And and it's also that step of allowing somebody else to speak into your life. Like when we recognize, like, I don't know what's true, but I know this isn't what I want, <laughs> you know, and sometimes mm-hmm. that's where you start. I don't know, but that seems like such a, a great tool that you could do with somebody else too. Yeah.
1: How often does it work, Brooke, when the defendant decides to be their own attorney? Yeah. That doesn't usually work very right. well. Like when they're like, oh, I'm going to represent myself. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. have to have that, mm-hmm. that ally come alongside of you who's going to help you. And like I said, I mean, Brooke, yeah, it's a great point. Like I have never seen somebody dismantle their own false kill all alone in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it. Now, maybe it's happened, but I've usually seen it takes a group of people mm-hmm. who right. continually are saying like you're not guilty. And you have to be reminded of that mm-hmm. because just because you have that Jenga block removed, man, Satan, he can build towers super quick he'll rebuild that tower on a different lie overnight, you know? Oh, fine. And he'll let you be like, "All okay, right, fine. You know what? It wasn't your fault that your kid got hurt. That wasn't your fault. But it was your fault that you weren't there faster right. to help mm-hmm, him. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. And if you
1: yeah. do you're like, that was my fault. And then it's like the whole thing. Over right, there, you know?
0: right. This is in line with so many of the things that we talk about. But I mean, I'm going to get really, really like really practical here. So if somebody's listening today, and they're like, that is I am literally swimming in this right now. And I don't know the way out. And I hear what you're saying. I need to put all of this on trial. I need to um, have this community around me. I mean, like get really practical. If someone comes up to you and says that, what's their what's their first step? Are they gonna just gonna call some people and I'm gonna sit in a room and do this? Like what? I mean, what? What would you say as a piece of advice for someone who finds himself in that place right now?
1: I would say, um, I mean, selfishly, I mean, I, that's, that's what Reboot Recovery groups are. They could go to our website at rebootrecovery.com and they can register for either an in-person or a virtual experience with a bunch of other people who are going through awesome. similar situations, yeah. right? And they could get plugged into a group almost instantly. And so that's one thing that I would recommend. Yep. The other thing that I would probably recommend um, is that they start writing out what it is they feel like they're being accused of. Like write down logically, what did I do wrong versus what did they say I did wrong? Mm-hmm. And start writing out all the facts. I mean, if you think about most of these, let's go to a few good men the movie. 90% of the movie is them gathering evidence and gathering testimony. The last 10% is the trial mm-hmm, piece. Mm-hmm. So this is the way it works. A lot of times, you know, we need to go back and unpack uncover all the evidence we need to dig up all that evidence and we need to be able to kind of categorize catalog it and organize it and that process you can do independently Mm -hmm. as long as you can emotionally handle doing it independently if it starts to be too overwhelming then stop and ask for somebody to help you dig up that evidence but if you can emotionally cope through that that's going to be really helpful when you sit down with your group of peers and say you know this is what i'm dealing with here's everything i've got yeah um, yeah, that's that's due diligence. I mean, that's due diligence on your case.
2: Love it. I'm just gonna add to that. Like, I think one, you have to obviously watch a few good men because I feel like clearly you're not maybe gonna understand this. Maybe it's yeah. been a while, right? Like, because now I'm like, that's what we're doing tonight. Um, but <laughs> no, but for what it's worth, like, I've read every single page of your curriculum and it is fantastic. And I agree, like, to have people in groups you know, that are walking through this together is just imperative. And y'all have such fantastic resources online. Like all of your coaches are vetted, like just the whole, you know, our leaders are vetted, like just the whole thing is incredibly well done. And so I just want to say that I think it's important. And probably people don't hear me say that about stuff. So they know <laughs> I really mean it when I do. Um, That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the other side of that, too, like I love what you said. And even if it's just a matter of, you know, if you're so like um, imprisoned by, you know, even if you just send this podcast to a friend that you trust and go listen to this, help me do this, like even if it's yeah. like that piece of accountability or I need even starting that conversation um, that I think is is so important and and just even considering again, like the, the beliefs that you have around this. And I think there are probably people listening that truly have never thought about my thoughts and feelings. Don't have to dictate everything I do, you know? And so even just if, if, if it's all the way over on that extreme, um, you know, just finding, sending this, find somebody and be like, help me, help me figure this out. Cause I don't even know what to do with it, you know, and just inviting yeah. other people into our lives to walk alongside us. Um, Is what I just think it's just, it's so important. I'm I'm really, I just feel like the Lord's moving in a lot of ways right now for the church to actually be a community and reconsider, you know, what church looks like and and how to be with each other and sitting with someone in this, you know, or even maybe, you know, somebody that is riddled with guilt and you're like, Hey, let's do this. Like, let me throw this out there. Let's do this together. You know, maybe I Mm -hmm. can have your back in this or pray with you through it. I mean, even in that, like Mm -hmm. that is, that is the piece of us, you know, connecting as a community and as big C church, you know, and and walking people through. And I mean, what would God's people look like if they weren't riddled with guilt and shame at all Mm -hmm. times? Like Mm -hmm. how amazing that would be, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of um, people being able to connect online with those groups, Evan, especially Mm -hmm. because I think when you're talking about this stuff, it can be very easy. You know, if I invite all my friends over who, just tell me what I want to hear all the time, then I'll excuse everything they say of, you just tell me what I want to hear, (laughs) you know? And Mm -hmm. so I think being able to bring in some even neutral parties into this conversation can be really helpful. But also I just keep thinking as you guys have been talking this whole show, I'm just like, man, this is yet another reason why it is so vitally important that people know how to hear from God and receive from the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, because I'm like, man, when he can start to speak into this stuff, like I can tell you all day, this is what's true. This is what's true. And that's powerful and it's important. But man, when someone can hear that directly from the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, things shift and their heart changes. And so I just keep going back to how important it is that people know how to hear from the Lord. Um, And so making sure that he is a significant part of that process, um, is just, you know, like, Lord, this is what thoughts and feel like, what do you say to me right now? What is your truth for me right now? You know, it's just going to be pivotal for that process as well. So, um, man, y'all, I feel like we could legit do, I don't know, a whole month's worth of shows on this topic, But before we sign off, is there anything else? Any final thoughts that either of you guys have? Anything that's just burning? Like we can't we can't sign off before we say this.
1: Not for me. I feel like we've covered the the most important parts.
0: Yeah, Evan, can you just one more time let people know um, where they can find you online, your resources, anything at all that people can um, do to find what you offer
1: yeah they can find me at hottestmanalive.com. Oh, I, should I should
0: have had this in advance. Yeah, no.
1: Obviously. <laughs> no, they can they can, reboot, yeah, they can go to rebootrecovery.com and they can see all of our courses there and they can register for one. Um, you know we have like right now is a great time uh all fall long uh, we've got a lot of courses launching so make sure to get plugged into one of those um, and then they can also find us on facebook at reboot recovery.com or facebook at reboot recovery twitter at reboot recovery or instagram at reboot recovery. also podcasts youtube yes oh yeah and we have our own podcast called the reboot recovery show mm-hmm. that your very own brooke is on with me brooke is on with with myself and a guy named adam and uh it's great we're on episode i think five or six now um and uh awesome it is all on this subject so go nice. subscribe to that i didn't actually say that because i'm on there but <laughs>
2: there are i went i went side but benefit i got on youtube last night actually because i was like i bet he, these are on youtube and i went back and listened to some of the uh, older ones and then uh, subscribed and listened to, to the past ones it's just really good stuff it really is and and I don't again I don't listen to podcasts generally but it uh it, it's so it's so incredible to find people that are so like minded and like hearted and doing the work that y'all are doing with excellence so i'm just grateful to know you and and that you're on here with us so me as well
1: me as well thank you guys so much i I really appreciate it So
0: appreciate your time this is probably not the last time we'll be wrangling you in on mercy talk just fyi so uh as brooke said i mean it's it's you know not a super common thing for us to find people that we just feel like in every way are aligned with us what we believe what we teach um you know being able to just integrate Um, Jesus into all of the work that you do and just it's just it's really awesome powerful we love being connected with you. So thank you so much. And um, for all of you listening, we hope that you enjoyed this conversation today. And if the content in these podcasts has been helpful for you, we would be so, so grateful if you would help us out by rating the show and writing a review wherever you listen. Um, and as always, if you have any thoughts or questions about what we have discussed, um, or if you'd like to uh, share your ideas for future podcast topics, please let us know by emailing us at mercytalkmercymultiplied.com or you can find Find Evan in his home at, and I'm just kidding um, don't do that um, yeah. but truly if there's anything that has come up for you as, list, as you have listened that um, you have questions about please 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 let us know um, and we are so grateful that you've joined us today